It's chaos. It's a different type of Sunday scary. It's your newest obsession. It's Dirty Driving, a Formula One podcast. We're the Hornsby sisters. I'm Katie. And I'm Megan. It was another wet weekend for 2021, which makes three in total for this year. If Sochi was the highlight and Spa was the letdown, then Turkey simply existed. For a Formula One race, it was relatively calm, with Max Verstappen joking that the trickiest part of the race for him was staying awake. The 2021 Turkish Grand Prix at the Istanbul Inner City Park Circuit took place this past Sunday, October 10th. It was a late addition to the calendar to take the place of the canceled Japanese Grand Prix that was canceled due to travel restrictions. And this weekend, we saw wonders with Carlos Sainz starting at the back of the grid, Lewis Hamilton taking a 10th place grid penalty, and Daniel Ricciardo had a rocky weekend. Let's jump right into practice highlights where Hamilton went first in FP1 and FP2. Then Pierre Gasly showed up out of nowhere and took the fastest lap in FP3. Pierre Gasly's first place position in FP3 took us straight into qualifying with Lewis Hamilton taking pole. However, he started 11th in the race due to taking a new internal combustion unit and receiving a 10 place grid penalty, which means in our front row, we had Valtteri Bottas and Max Verstappen. In our second row, we saw Charles Leclerc and Pierre Gasly. And then in fifth place, we had Fernando Alonso. The two big shockers of qualifying were the fact that Daniel Ricciardo was out in Q1. And we'll talk a little bit more on that later. And that Mick Schumacher advanced to Q2, taking P14, which was his best result in qualifying yet. The coolest part about qualifying was that the top five positions were from five different constructors with all four engines. And those engines are Mercedes, Honda, Ferrari, and Renault. So Lewis took P1 and he does not get awarded pole position because of his 10 place grid penalty, but he won qualifying with the best times, which is why he still was awarded the tire trophy. But Valtteri Bottas is the true pole sitter or is in true pole position because he is the one who is starting the race. And then a side note, which I thought was super cute, was that Lewis Lewis signed the trophy and signed it to Valtteri, saying to Valtteri, enjoy my pole trophy. Nice lap, though. 102, Lewis. It was a nice end to the Saturday qualifying round. Moving on to our Grand Prix, everyone started with intermediate tires, and because of the weather, it was humid, it was wet, it was moist, it was gross. We had no DRS enabled because of that 97% humidity, and the 97% humidity led us to question whether or not the track was going to dry. For a wet race in itself, we saw a very calm first lap. We had Bottas leading in and out of turn one. We did have one little incident where Pierre Gasly and Fernando Alonso kind of ran into each other a little bit. It resulted with Fernando going off the track and dropping to the back of the grid. And Pierre received a five-second stop-and-go penalty. 
Things got worse for Alonzo when he made contact with Mick Schumacher, causing Mick to spin. Fernando received a five-second stop-and-go penalty, and we did get this tender moment during post-race interviews. Fernando went up to Mick, gave him a hug, apologized, and someone, I don't know who it was out there in the Twitter world, smashed that photo up to a photo of Michael Schumacher, Mick's dad, and Fernando having a hug as well, which whoever does those things, you always, I always get a little tear jerk when, when Mick gets to mimic Michael in some way. In the first 18 laps, Carlos Sainz would make his way from P19 to P9, which scored him driver of the day, and it was his first time ever. When the woman came on his radio, he said, wow, really? He was in shock. And this is his ninth consecutive points finish, which is actually the longest active streak on the F1 grid now. So well-deserved by Carlos Sainz for his P19 to P9 moves. We saw Pierre Gasly take two penalties. He served one five-second stop-and-go penalty, and he also received two points on his license. Gasly tried to negotiate that turn one with Sergio Perez on the inside and Alonso on the outside, and Alonso was just slightly in front of Gasly at the exit of the corner when both the cars made contact, which caused Alonso to spin, and basically the stewards determined that Gasly was predominantly at fault for the collision because he didn't leave enough space for Alonzo. And it should be pointed out that the stewards didn't consider this an incident because Gasly was not sandwiched between the two cars when he touched Alonzo. So I would say that, you know, the five second stop and go penalty, which is which was served on his one and only pit stop was warranted. I'm not sure about the points on his super license. The last eight laps brought some extra drama with Lewis and Mercedes having some radio banter about his tires. The team called him in for a fresh set of enters and Lewis said, nope, I want to make it all the way. I don't want to come in. He was really trying to get up to first place. And so they held off a little and then finally the team said, nope, you have to box, you have to box. And it turned into Lewis losing a couple positions, and he was unaware that boxing at that time was going to cause him to do so. So we had a battle for fifth place between Lewis Hamilton, Pierre Gasly, and Lando Norris, which is the order that they ended the race, fifth, sixth, and seventh, with Gasly in sixth and Norris in seventh. We had a win by Valtteri Bottas, which is his first win in more than a year and the 10th of his career. It showed that even though he is making his move to Alfa Romeo at the end of the season, he is still committed in the battle for Mercedes to take home the Constructors' Cup this year. And you know what? I'm really excited for Valtteri. We love a win by him because it's well-deserved and it's a nice confidence boost before that move. And again, it shows that he's committed to finishing out the season strong with Mercedes, and I think he's finally driving for himself. He's not driving for Mercedes anymore. He's like, I'm out here to do what I want to do for the rest of the season, and I'm going to prove that I'm one of the greatest drivers of all time. So big props to Valtteri. I love that he took home the podium this weekend, and I'm excited to see what happens the rest of the season with him. In P2, we had Max Verstappen, and in P3, we had Sergio Perez, which was cute because when they were all up on the podium, it was a little Red Bull sandwich with Valtteri in the middle. 
This means that Max takes control of the championship battle, leading Lewis by six points. Max and Sergio did not fall under the one-off livery curse and, you know, were able to hold their own and take the second double podium home of the year for Red Bull, leaving Red Bull just 35 points behind Mercedes. And when thinking about it, I might have to agree with Max in the idea that Red Bull might not have the pace or does not have the pace to beat Mercedes. I think Max has the ability to beat Lewis, but I'm not sure that Red Bull is going to be able to hold their own in the Constructors' Cup. Again, we will just have to wait and see. Now we have six races left, and there's still so much left to unfold. And then we had Charles Leclerc in P4, and he led the race for a couple laps there. Unfortunately, they decided to do a late decision to pit for the Inters, he doesn't unfortunately he just doesn't have pace in that car and there was this moment this radio moment where he asks something along the lines of like where are we going to finish the race what do we have to do next and they were like you're in p1 like just focus on staying up there and i think this really spoke to charles confidence his his waning confidence in the sport maybe and maybe it's not confidence maybe it's his attention his interest I feel like he has this laissez-faire approach to racing right now, and I'd have to bet that's because he feels pretty safe with one of the longest contracts in F1 history with, with Ferrari. Like, he's sitting pretty for a little longer, and to me, hearing him on the radio saying that in P1, it made me question what Charles has left in him and if he'll get it back. DHL might sponsor the driver of the day, but now you are going to get the dirty driving winner and loser of the race. Our winner of the Turkish Grand Prix is Checo, and that is because he had one of the most exciting moments of the whole race. It came in lap 35 when Lewis Hamilton and Sergio Perez were wheel to wheel in this amazing battle through five corners that saw Checo leading into the turns, Hamilton almost catching up with him, but Perez holding on and battling through. It was excellent defense from Sergio. And that's what that's what Red Bull has been looking for in their second seat. They want someone to defend them. And Checo went on to say in the post race that this podium is very special because it was not an easy race for me. It was hard and exhausting at times and I am very happy this evening. I am so proud of Checo and everything that he's done this year and I think that he has once again proved to the F1 kingdom that he belongs in this Red Bull seat. He's been holding off Lewis Hamilton. He's been he's had incredible overtakes this season and he's been scoring massive points for the team. And you know what, seeing him drive and seeing him have an excellent drive after 8 races without a podium was the cherry on top for Red Bull and we're I'm looking forward to how they perform in Austin now that they both seem to have their groove back. Our loser of the race is McLaren. And McLaren's team principal, Andreas Seidel, said after the race that he was a little surprised McLaren wasn't a front runner in Turkey. And I think they would have been if it wasn't for the weather. Lando Norris started in seventh place and finished in seventh, bringing home six points. And he struggled with keeping his intermediates in a good spot. 
He said that it was damage litigation for us at this track, but we came away with the best result that we both could. Then we have Daniel Ricardo. He clearly struggled in qualifying. He was out in Q1, which then he started 20th after taking a new power unit. Daniel said he had about four good laps with good grip, and that is when he moved from P16 before pitting on lap 18. And during that time, Carlos went from the P19 and the P9 absolutely blazing through the backfield. So it was a little disappointing that Daniel couldn't do the same. He had some rear braking issues and honestly pitting early compared to the rest of the field did not help him. He simply didn't have the pace or car performance this week and he ended up P13. All in all, it was uh, it was a bad it was a poor showing for both drivers all in all it was a poor it was a poor showing due to poor pace for both drivers it is truly incredible to see that a seventh place finish is a low point for mclaren they have grown so much and have co- and have accomplished many advances in the past year two years and and because of this they are now in an advantage over ferrari in the fight for p3 and the constructor championship with seven and a half points more next year i think we will have to see some real consistency from both of these drivers and cars if mclaren wants to continue to be a contender for third place in the constructors cup And I fear that since McLaren's been focusing more on finishing out 2021 and maybe not pushing as much as they should for the future of 2022, we potentially could see McLaren tumble down the grid. And I would hate to see that after they've had some phenomenal rebuilding years the past two years. All right, everybody, let's dive into the tires. As you all know, it was another wet weekend and another weekend where the pit stop timing made or broke some races for some drivers. So everyone immediately started on the intermediate tires with the initial prediction that around lap 18, we were going to stop and potentially put on slicks. And for a quick overview, slicks are your soft, medium, hard tires. Intermediate are used on a wet track where there's no standing water and the track is starting to dry off or it is drying. And wets are effective for heavy rain. In spa, the issue was visibility, not necessarily grip, because they're designed to prevent aquaplaning or hydroplaning like we know it in America. The only one who actually stopped around lap 18 was Daniel Ricardo, and he went in and threw on new intermediates, and Fernando Alonso went in on lap 32 and did the same. So you might be wondering why hold out? Why wait to switch tires? Well, Both drivers and the teams were seeing spots of rain. They weren't really sure about the forecast. The track was really still drying up, and they wanted to see if they were going to need slicks. But it came to, you know, around lap 34, lap 38, and everyone went in and put intermediates back on, except for Lewis and Charles, who stayed out. They stayed out on their original intermediate tires. Sebastian Vettel gambled and put some slicks on. He came out, he took one lap, it was not pretty, and then he went back in and put inners back on. So 
you know, one of them took the risk. This time it was Seb. He made the call, didn't work, and we switched immediately. I think Hamilton and LeClerc stayed out to get the benefit of those worn-in inters, or we've been calling them slicker mediates, which had the best performance on this, like, on-again, off-again, wet, dry, humid track. It was clear from Seb that it was not dry enough to move to the slicks, but the new inters that everybody put on needed a couple laps to wear down the tread, and they were they were showing low performance. Pirelli may need to invest in some slicker mediates where they're in between those intermediate tires and those slicks, not as much tread. Which led us into the last 16 laps where we had tons of questions about tires. Leclerc, like I mentioned earlier, asked that question about what I can do to keep my position. And Ferrari ended up bringing him in three laps before Lewis to switch tires because he wasn't going to make it to the end of the race. Lewis was the biggest objector and the most vocal on the radio about switching his tires. Mercedes called him into pit on lap 42 and Lewis said no and didn't want to go in and the next eight laps were this back and forth lap 41 we had a call for Lewis to come in and he says you know I don't think that's it lap 45 Lewis asks how long the tires are going to last and Mercedes is like give us a second we're still debating and then lap 50, Mercedes makes the call of like, we need to pit now or we're not going to have a chance to. This is our last chance. And Lewis's response was, are you sure? Okay. And so he comes in, he switches tires, he follows orders, and he comes out with new tires behind Sergio Perez. And Lewis was very upset, very pissed at the situation, not necessarily the team, there was a little miscommunication. They did not let Lewis know that he was going to lose positions by coming into pit. And so Lewis disagreed and he wanted to go with his gut and he wanted to stay on the tires the whole entire race. And I want to be very clear when I when I talk about this. This was a passionate response. It is very important to note that Every Formula One driver is competing at the highest level with adrenaline that none of us know. They're competing at the highest level of motor racing. There's adrenaline, there's fear, there's there's attitude. You know, there's going to be. And the characterization of Lewis's response was incorrect in most of the articles that we read that came out late Sunday or Monday. And he even took to Instagram and said, I'm allowed to show emotion. I'm in the th- I'm in the throes of the thing that I'm most passionate about. And I'm not pissed at the team. I was pissed at the situation. We see this all the time with drivers. And it's just a shame that Lewis Hamilton got called out for it as well. I did love Lewis's expression after he was told that Esteban Ocon did in fact stay on his tires the whole time. He was shocked and he said, if Ocon did it, then I could do it for sure. And at the end of the day, it just comes down to either taking a safe bet or a risky one. Lewis should have come in sooner and it would have allowed him to warm up the tires more and get past that graining stage where that performance had that drop off compared to the worn in inters. So he could have had a chance for P3 had he come in early and Toto Wolf actually acknowledged that in his comment. 
The correct call would probably have been taking it very conservative and pitting when everybody else pitted for the Inters, coming out behind Perez and Leclerc and fighting with them for P3. That was probably correct, but that's only with hindsight. Mercedes went risky, thinking that this dry line would emerge and they would happen to be able to get on softs and beat everybody, which if that had happened, everyone would be praising their strategy, but they gambled and sometimes when you gamble you don't get it right and not everyone is always going to get it right all the time so unfortunately this race lewis lost in the post race we saw mario Izola, the pirelli boss being asked if hamilton's tires would have made it to the end and he concluded that i would say no or at least it was really at the limit he went on to say that he suggested that Pirelli's allocated engineers should warn the teams to change the tires and not go to the end because it was a risky move. I think in the sport of Formula One, it's all about are we taking the safe bet or are we taking the risky gamble? And it comes down to whether or not you need those points. And we all know that Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen are within striking distance of each other this year. It has flipped back and forth more than once. And we saw Max retake the title this weekend. And let's say Lewis would have stayed on those tires. He could have been out of the race and gotten no points. Or he could have, you know, slid off or had a puncture, whatever it might have been, and lost out on points. He had a decent points finish, putting him in sixth place, just six points behind Max Verstappen. Toto has made it very clear that DNFs are not allowed on Team Mercedes, and both cars finishing in the points is the most important thing for taking home not one, but two championships. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us at Dirty Driving Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, stay dirty.